0: Welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today, we are sitting down with a dear friend and an awesome pastor and a great writer, Dr. David Platt. Uh, Dr. Platt, or David, is also the husband of Heather and the father of five children. And uh, we are just grateful to be able to have this conversation with with David about both leading the church to have a heart for gospel-driven justice, but also leaving your family as a a husband to have gospel-driven, centered justice, but also just as a pastor to touch our hearts about why we should care for the orphan and the widow and why we should never separate this from the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the proclamation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I know that you will be blessed by this conversation that that David and I were able to have when we sat down recently back in Birmingham when he was here to speak for the Rooted in Love Conference. But before we do hear from David, I want to remind you that Lifeline exists to equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to vulnerable children. And I, it, is, it is a labor in God's service that we... Uh, that we go through this ministry. This is our purpose, to manifest the gospel. And we know that the Lord has called us not to go forward in these endeavors alone, but he's provided a body of believers to join us in this work. So during this season, as we come to the close of 2019, as we celebrate the birth of a Savior, and as many people are thinking about how to give generously, we want to ask you and generously unite with others as we endeavor to change one life together. Will you give? Will you partner? Will you help Lifeline change the lives of orphaned and vulnerable children? You can visit lifelinechild.org backslash change one life. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash change, O-N-E, life. Change one life to make your tax-deductible gift to Lifeline's year-end. We need your partnership. We need you to help us make our goal as we look to the end of 2019, but look with great hope to the year of 2020 as we see the gospel manifested to orphan and vulnerable children through the ministry of Lifeline. We need your partnership. We need you to come along with us so that we do not endeavor alone in this, but we do it linked arms with you. So if you will, go to lifelinechild.org backslash change one life today to make your tax deductible gift to Lifeline's year end needs. David, thanks for joining us and having this conversation. And so first and foremost, I want to ask you a personal question because people know you're a pastor and now you're serving McLean Bible Church. Uh, You've been the president of IMB. You've written a few books that some people have read, right? But but you're also a husband and you're a dad. So talk about first just personally how you and Heather got onto this adoption journey.
1: Uh, Not in the way we planned. Um, We for about so the short version is for about five years and i say short version because anybody who's walked through infertility knows like five years month after month after month like longing to have children and god not providing in the way you're hoping and just wondering why not and so all that wrestling so that was about five years for us and then uh it's interesting even when i think about uh Rick Morton at Lifeline, like I remember Heather and I, we were uh, together in New Orleans at that point years ago. And uh, we sat down with the Mortons. They'd walked through an adoption journey. And so we start learning some more about this. And I think we would have said at that point, like, okay, I guess this is kind of second best. Uh, Since we can't have children biologically, we'll adopt. Well, we learned real quickly that this was just as best. And uh, so we started the adoption journey at that point and uh, we ended up adopting our first child, uh, Caleb, from Kazakhstan. And then two weeks after getting back from Kazakhstan, heather was pregnant so uh, in a way we did not see coming and so nine months later uh joshua came along and then so we knew apparently we are able to have kids biologically but we also knew we wanted to adopt again so for the next three years we uh started an adoption process again and uh, the lord through a variety of twists and turns led us to adopt from china and so we adopted our daughter China uh Mara from China and then three months later got back and Heather was pregnant again. So uh along came Isaiah and then like for the last six years we've just been like we've just said we're joyfully content with the four children. Which I mean even that, like, I didn't even when I think read Ephesians three, twenty and twenty-one, like immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine. I look around my table, like I didn't even know to ask for this, like I'm so blessed. And so, but so we've, we kind of thought that was kind of the end of the story for us. But then, uh, we were on a date night one night and God just, I don't know why I can describe it. We hadn't even planned on talking about this on date night. It was just like dinner and a movie, like, but we're sitting there at the table and God just met us there at the table. We basically started talking about how we know there's a lot of need and we believe we've got a lot of love left to give. So we started the adoption process again for number number five. So yeah, kind of the pattern would seem to say that if we adopt again, that means we'd have another ch- child biologically. I'm not, we're not <laughs> like, I, I, I'm, I trust the Lord. I, I would be shocked, but anyway. Yeah. So we that's, that's kind of our story uh, at this point. And I, I never would have written it this way and I couldn't have written it any better. Mm. And God,
0: God has always gone before in so many different ways. And, but one of the things and I remember even on this fifth mm. child, third adoption, mm. we were having dinner And I think Heather actually said, so tell me about what's going on in China and India.
1: Yeah, it was actually you guys who kind of messed (laughs) things up. Like, I mean, we really, like, we for six years have not even talked about this. I mean, if it's even come up, it's like, yeah, praise God for what he's doing in other people's lives. (laughs) Like, I mean, just, and then we sit down with you guys uh, for dinner one night. And, uh, like, the first thing out of Heather's mouth, we sit down. We haven't seen you guys. Like, let's just catch up. And. She's like, tell me about the programs that are going on, and I and I looked at her like, yeah, why why are you why are you asking that? I'm just, and but that that actually led to so we talked that night. It was just a couple of weeks after that when we had this date night, and I asked her. I said, all right, babe, like, just one of those things. Like you've been like praying for this for like years and just waiting for me to take the lead on, or like, and she was like, no, no, I I don't know why I asked that, and that's like when we got in the conversation. So, Thanks that, a
0: lot. So on, yeah, yeah, of course. I'll be there for you anytime. But in all of those adoption journeys, in some regards, you know, and and, and we know, the Lord, and I know your wife, worked mm-hmm. in her heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes came to you first and said, hey, I really feel like the Lord's doing this. Mm-hmm. But talk about when the Lord does call the wife first, mm-hmm. how we can still lead our wives into, into this journey of adoption and caring for orphans. And yeah, care.
1: That's good. I think that's really important because... I, uh, I I definitely talk with a variety of husbands who uh, are kind of following their wives into this picture. Um, and uh, so, yeah, when I think about biblically, like this picture in Ephesians 5 of a husband leading his wife, so how does that play out? When I think about that in my own relationship with Heather, and I think it has been for us in our now three adoption journeys, like it's been some of both and, like maybe one of us is feeling it initially more than the other, and then... Uh, and then the, but the way I look at it even just biblically Ephesians 5 so I believe God has put me in a place of leadership in my home but leadership in my home does not mean like I I don't listen to my wife. I, mean, I, I lead my wife by serving her, by listening to her, by us seeking the Lord together. I'm leading us to seek the Lord together. So when she comes to me with anything, whether it's adoption or anything else that the Lord's put on her heart as we're talking continually, then I, I know I need to go to the Lord with that. And even if I didn't initiate it, uh, then I need to go to the Lord with that. And then us together, So, yeah, so say at some point in this, any one of these processes, she says, I think we need to go this route. And that's part of why I was asking her that on date night. And uh, if she's sensing that from the Lord, then I want to go before the Lord and say, okay, you're doing this in my wife's heart. Are you leading us to do this? And so we're, we're not going to make a decision to go into this without making that decision decision together before the Lord, and and if we believe the Lord's leading us to do that, even if she's initiated it, uh, and maybe even in some ways might even feel stronger, like. I'm going to trust this is the spirit leading as we seek the Lord together. And then, yeah, I want to lead full in. Even if she initiated this, like I, it's my role to lead. And if, if we come to the conclusion together that God's leading us to do this, then, then it's my responsibility to lead out in that and not like ta- kind of tag along behind her in that process. That's not, I don't think that's the most healthy way to lead a family on anything a marriage on anything, but a, particularly an adoption, like it. You need to both be all in and particularly a husband leading the way.
0: And I think that's so important. And and, and a lot of people, you know, they look at your dinner table and and they see this beautiful family, you know, and and they see a pastor that's preaching and a wife that's supportive. But you know firsthand that adoption orphan care does actually have heartaches as well. And that's one of the reasons that men have to be engaged to help even— you know, their wives' process in their own hearts, these disappointments. And so with your second adoption journey, the Lord had placed on your heart a particular country in the Himalaya regions that, that, I mean, it was clear. That's where He was calling you. And then that program closed. Talk about just dealing with that disappointment and leading your wife through that disappointment.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's such a great question. I appreciate bringing that up because, yes, like, I have put adoption aside like i know i have responsibility to shepherd my wife and my children my family through whatever life brings and so you choose to go down an adoption journey that's just entering into a whole other level of uh yeah uh, challenges spiritual challenges physical challenges uh emotional challenges and so the need to shepherd all the more and so yeah when we Uh, started that second process. We're really drawn to one particular country and uh, everything was going forward until it just shut down right before we got to be matched. And our hearts were broken. And we've been praying for a long time at that point for this child to be in our family from this country, praying with our two kids at that point for this child. And so it was like, okay, we believe the Lord led us to this point. So what is he teaching us now? And how is he gonna lead us from this point? And so, yeah. And that's just one of many ways that our adoption journey, yet the last thing I want to do is give off an impression that's like, oh, it's been smooth. Like we had adopted a child that was smooth as can be. Then had a baby that was really smooth. Like, I mean, wow, we just skipped over a ton of, uh, tearful conversations and, uh, heavy nights and all kind, of just so many different things that yes. So to enter into this journey requires just a vigilance and, and all the more need for, uh, intimacy with the Lord, first and foremost as a foundation, intimacy in marriage as a foundation. Like even when I think about some, uh, couples who might even like have problems in marriage and think like adoption is going to help us fix this. Like that is just not wise. It's just not helpful because this just causes more strain and it adds more strain and not just in the process, but in the, some of the unique challenges that come. I mean, first it's just, parenting that's sanctifying enough but then you add on a layer of some of the unknowns that come in adoption some of the unique challenges that come there like it's just so uh yeah all that to say i would i would certainly encourage any husband like be vigilant in guarding your relationship with the lord your relationship with your wife as you walk down this journey
0: and unfortunately we know And and we've seen it firsthand as leaders of organizations and leaders of churches, but also leaders of our family. Whenever we enter into that brokenness, Mm -hmm. there's going to be pain and suffering. And also there's spiritual warfare that's all over it. And so I I remember even walking a bit through that story with you guys of that failed adoption in some regards Mm -hmm. in this country. And I know, you know, as part of that, you wrote a poem for Heather. I mean, y'all mourned the loss of that process, but God in his sovereignty brought it full cycle. Mm -hmm. And, And before we even get into all the ways that he brought that full cycle, I think it's important for us to know that God does not call us to things accidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and we may not be able to see the way his script is unfolding because we're living in the midst of it. But talk about why it's so important to trust in the sovereignty of God through the
1: process of adoption. Yeah, that's, oh, I'm just really encouraging my own heart just thinking about this right now, like what God did. Because, I mean, you might conclude, well, you shouldn't. I mean, that, that adoption failed. So maybe you shouldn't have started that. It's like, no way. Like, I just want to... I want to follow, the, follow God's leadership as best as I know today, and trust He's leading, He's guiding, He's He knows the whole big picture. And so, I mean, every step of our journey from infertility for us, uh, just trust in God. Like, I mean, we're asking God month after month, why, why, why? And it's I just picture Him like, just trust me. Like, you, I had no idea what He had in store. Like, and then through that failed adoption, like, uh, the way. Uh, God had put that country particularly on our hearts like I really believe he did and they led us down that road and then the heartbreak but then how the Lord used that to now open up actually all kinds of doors for ministry in that country uh, a book I just wrote that was you know based on some of that journey like I there's so much so just to trust like God, I mean, I would say like, he's got the whole thing rigged. Like we can totally trust him even through the heartbreak and the things that even right now. So we're going into this process now, like we don't know what child that God has for us, when this child's going to come into our lives, our family, what particular needs there might be there, what hurt or pain that we're entering into with that child. We don't know any of that. I, if I think about that, like from a Godless perspective, that's really... That's like discouraging, heavy, like, uh, I don't even know if I want to do this. Like, it is such a bedrock to stand on and go into this process knowing that God holds every detail in his hands. Like when we get this call, who this child is, what the unique needs this child uh, might have that maybe we know then or don't know until years from now, but God knows all of it and and the beauty. Sorry, I can go on and on about this, but I'm just encouraged right now. I just think about Matthew 6, uh, uh, Philippians 4, like not worrying or being anxious because I know, I, I told uh, Heather this yesterday, actually, we were just talking about we're kind of overwhelmed with some things in our current family. We're like, I mean, can we bring a, a toddler into our home? Like and I I just looked at her and said, No, not today. Like not today. But that's kind of the beauty of what Jesus says in Matthew six, like, I give you uh to, to I will give you today today's mercy for today's troubles and tomorrow's mercy for tomorrow's troubles. So we're not ready for child number five today. Like but I'm trusting his mercy's gonna be sufficient when we get that call. Like And his mercy is not sufficient right now for what's coming in the future. It's uh, so it's just, and again, that goes back to the sovereignty of God when Jesus is saying your father in heaven, like he cares for the birds out outside, like just do some bird watching and realize he loves them that much. You're so much more valuable than they, uh, you can trust him. He knows the number of hairs in your head. He knows everything. Not only does he know everything, but he is in charge of everything. Uh, that's, that's like confidence, rock-solid confidence to step into this journey. Amen. And of course, you know, without that
0: failed process, Mary Ruth wouldn't be in your home. Yes. I yes. mean, so many things, but, but also to see full cycle, and just to go back to that real quick, so many more kids mm-hmm. are being reached and are seeing the gospel because of an intervention that He mm-hmm. brought you to, which, I mean, it's a bittersweet for me because it, it tore you away from Birmingham, mm-hmm. but the Lord did call a journey to the himalayas where really you know you've taken several now into the himalayas and and being able to see the just the abject poverty there but also the vast spiritual lostness and the blindness that's there and so in your in your new book something needs to change that we were talking about it's neat because I loved reading the book because as I read it, I saw the sovereignty of God truly there knowing all the way back to the story from the adoption and, and all the hurt and the pain and the, and Heather going, why? And you going, why? And then seeing that realized, but also you kept asking that question when you went to the Himalayas of why, why God are these folks suffering so much physically and why have they been blinded so much spiritually? And you've really wrestled with that. And the beauty of what, The wrestling has come through really for us as a ministry and and me as a person fulfilled to say, when we care for physical need, when we care for the the darkest physical need, we have to be bearing the light Mm -hmm. of the gospel of Mm -hmm. hope and they go together. So talk about that journey and how it just really even more gave you that bedrock faith that we have to do both.
1: Yes. Bro, There's so much there like my heart is like so full right now. Just thinking about this. So, uh, so yeah, even just to kind of fill in the gaps. So it was a failed adoption. Then uh, I find out I meet a guy who is working in that country, particularly with kids in need. And I, I'd actually met him before and just kind of, yeah, didn't do anything with it. But now I've, after this journey we've been on, I was like, hey, can we talk some more? And so that leads to uh, multiple trips now on trails and in the middle of, and yeah, more than anywhere else I've traveled in the world, these villages represent just uh, this collision of urgent spiritual and physical need. So, physical need, yeah, the poverty, just, I mean, half of the children dying before their eighth birthday at one point in these villages, um, the trafficking that's happening among girls and boys in those villages so just urgent physical need on top of i mean they've never heard the gospel so many people i've met in those mountains just hey what do you know about jesus and they say who's that like you're talking about somebody in a village nearby they've never met yet like they have no idea i haven't even heard his name and so uh so and yeah there's all kinds of why questions that come up like i mean you see poverty and evil even with trafficking like that in places like that uh and then you just why like why God why does this why doesn't this not stop like right now like why and why are so many people like born into a context of such earthly suffering only to move on to an eternity of suffering without ever hearing Jesus, about Jesus like I. These questions, So those kind of why questions, though, and uh, that's what I try to do in the book, just wrestle through those why questions. It's one thing to wrestle through them in a comfortable place or even as a preacher standing in front of on a, in a nice auditorium. Like it's a whole other thing to wrestle through those when you're sitting across, you know, face to face, eye to eye with urgent spiritual and physical need. But then to let those why questions like lead to what questions. So like, what does this mean for my life? Like there's some things I can't understand in the mystery of God. Like, why was I not born into these villages? Why was I born in a place where I haven't had to worry about water or medicine or I've heard the gospel like most of my life? Like, I I can't explain that. I had nothing to do with where I was born. It's just the mercy of God. But I know like. I've been given mercy for a reason, and that's to make mercy known. I, uh, I I can't. I've been given so much grace, and so so how can we steward this grace? I mean, that's part of the date night conversation Heather and I were having that led us to this adoption. Is we it was like okay, if that country opened back up, which it's not, if it opened back up just like that, would we do this? And we're like, uh, yeah, no brainer. It's just like, well, why why would we not then? Like we we know we've been given a lot of love to give. This this. Doesn't mean everybody who has experienced the grace of God should adopt. Like, that's a whole other. uh, But everybody who's experienced the grace of God should be uh, intentional. I mean, compelled to look for outlets for making that grace known in a world of urgent need. And so that's how God is leading us to do this. But, uh, um, yeah, uh, I just think, yeah, even right now, what God is doing in our story um, in ways that we couldn't have imagined. I just want to be a good steward Mm. of the grace he's given. And he's given so much grace. Mm. But that's the beauty too. That's a whole other thing. Like in order to steward that grace well, like we need more grace. Like, Mm. I mean, we're about to bring another child in our home. Like we're like begging for more grace, but that's the beauty, right? God is generous. Like he delights in showing his grace. Like he's father to the fatherless. He wants his love to be made known in the world. He'll give us what we need to do this. Like he'll supply all our needs according to the glorious riches of Christ Jesus, like, oh, so we don't have to worry about there not being enough grace for it. So, sorry, I'm I'm
0: going on. on. Absolutely. But, but such an important thing, because I think so many times in the church, we really do separate those two. Mm -hmm. We, We separate gospel proclamation
1: from justice that's gospel driven. Yeah. Yeah. Which that that's thing. And you're, you're not looking for this. I don't. I know you're not, but I just want to say, like, that's what I'm so thankful for Lifeline-wise. Like, really? Because ever since we have been a part of partnering with Lifeline, like, personally in our own lives, as well as as a church, uh, you guys, like, exemplify this. Uh, yeah, and you're not asking for this, but, like, you guys exemplify it. And, and I see both ends of the spectrum. Uh, I see... People who are like passionate about physical needs and it's pretty gospel less or gospel light. And uh, it's like, oh no, like, yeah, I mean, yes, care for physical needs is hugely important, but like this or that water filter or this or that won't get anybody to heaven. Like, I mean, there's so then people's greatest need is the gospel. And so, but that's on the other side. It's like people are like, yeah, just like, Preach the gospel. Just share the gospel. Like, uh, but it's like, okay, yeah, we do this in a world where like people have urgent physical needs, and so how do we bring these two together? And uh, and not just gospel, but church. Like, uh, you guys are caring well for physical needs and helping people to care well for urgent physical needs when it comes to children and families in crisis. And you're doing it with a strong grasp on the gospel, like, and sharing God's love in Christ as the reason why we do this. And the ultimate end is to see Christ, Christ uh, people drawn into relation with Christ, and so to see those coming together and, uh, Obviously, not to where we won't care for you if you don't trust in Christ. Like that, there's just all kinds of ways that can get skewed. But to really care deeply about both those things together, and I think that's what the church is designed to do. So the way you guys come alongside the church in that. So yes, yes, yes. Gospel, urgent physical need, urgent spiritual need through the church.
0: So kind of as we we close, talk talk to pastors real quick, who who are sitting there who have a firm grasp on biblical truth, theology, doctrine, and they want to make sure their people get a good grasp of that. But they're so scared of doing mercy because they're afraid that it's going to steal from the gospel proclamation. Mm -hmm. Talk to them real quick about how doing mercy, if doing it in a gospel-driven way, will actually accentuate the punch to the message of the gospel. Because I think people that know you know that you don't shy away from preaching The word in and out of season when it's popular when it's not Uh, i've seen you in so many different situations where you've been bold and outspoken to make sure you speak the gospel right but at the same time you're driven towards urgent physical and spiritual need. Just talk to a pastor real quick about how actually when you get engaged with mercy and this physical need in a gospel driven way, it accentuates the message.
1: Yeah. I think I would say to a pastor or church leader, like um, one, I, I get it. Like there's, we have plenty of evidence in history of people getting focused on physical needs and losing grasp of the gospel. So I think that's a, that's a warning to us but it is a warning as we're running forward in a world of urgent need. Like I, I just think it is, an, a, it is a lie from the adversary to say that uh, to care for people's physical needs will inherently pull you away from the gospel. I would say it's, it's just, just, I think about my growth personally in my understanding of God's love in Christ as a result of an adoption journey, multiple adoption journeys now, as a result of uh, work amidst urgent physical needs, poverty, trafficking, and places in the world like I, I, uh, yeah, I feel like I know God more, His love more, uh, and the beauty of the gospel more like even when I preach a couple of Sundays from now on, and we call people to help foster care and adoption, I like am preaching from Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, like glorious gospel. Like we've been you know, predestined for adoption as sons. Like, okay, that's pretty awesome. Like that's gospel proclamation, gospel celebration that just leads to, of course, then we want to reflect this in the world. Like we want to make this known in the world. So uh, I would say to a pastor, Who's concerned about that like you i I would encourage you to be concerned about something else and that would be like holding so tightly to uh grace that you're not gospel grace that you're not stewarding it in a world that god has put you in like i would be really concerned about that because there's there's a lot of need right around you around the world um the people yeah, people need to see an expression of God's love in the church. And as pastors, we have a responsibility to reflect his love as the church, through the church, and to do it with the gospel in our lips and God's love in our lives. Like, don't try to disconnect those. Don't try to disconnect. And you can do that with while well, keeping the gospel primary. But you will actually uh, truncate uh, your relationship with God uh, and your church's growth in godliness uh, if you avoid um, showing his mercy and justice in a world that uh, that needs to see the character of God on display and the love of the church.
0: Brother, I'm thankful for you for the way you steward the gospel and uh, God's grace in you continually, the way he's using you and Uh, you know for for those of you people who have never met you and heather and your family just to see the humility to that you lead your family with that you operate with grateful for you brother and for your way you lead not only your family but you lead the church locally at mclean bible but also the church globally and thank you for stewarding the resources well that the lord has given to you and I, i would just encourage anyone that's listening or watching this like something needs to change like you've written some good books but i I think it's up there just because there's an unzipping and a realness that's there but also that just really coalesced the whole idea of we've got to do something to address urgent physical and spiritual need and it's getting out of our safety zones it's getting out of our comfort zones and it's doing something real and so i appreciate you brother and i'm I'm thankful for your partnership and for your friendship
1: well likewise herbie uh one, oh, I don't think they deserve any of that. But uh, uh, I would just say, yeah, even as I'm listening to you talk in, in this conversation, like I'm really, really thankful for God's grace and yeah, our friendship and partnership together and what you guys are doing to help put feet on the things we've talked about, like trusting the sovereignty of God, holding on to the gospel, going into a world of urgent need, like the, the way, and you are serving the church Toward that end, it's it's awesome. So I'm I'm just really, really grateful for that friendship and partnership together. Amen.
0: Well thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information, how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info@lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.